Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review, Better Call Saul, Season 4 Premiere, Episode 1. The episode is called Smoke. And I'm smoking a sandwich tonight to talk about this episode of Better Call Saul. I'm excited for this show to be back, and I'm very excited to be back here on the podcast tonight to talk to you guys. I'm not alone tonight. I'm lucky enough to have with me my co-hosts, the lovely, the wonderful, as always, Joe Dirty Locks. How's it going, Joe? Hey. Yeah, it's great to have Joe. That, that I'm doing really well, Joe. I'm a little tired today, which was an interesting aspect coupled with this episode that I think was made to make me feel uncomfortable at times. But we'll get, get into this in a second and get, get all up into this episode. And I think it delivered on what I wanted it to deliver in a premiere, and we'll break this down. Uh, it's, it's very interesting to think how they're going to move forward for the rest of the season, but, uh, but we have a long time to get into this. We're not alone. We also have with us the live mother fucking chat we got dj better Corey. we got sam we've got so many other folks popping in in out here throughout the evening k rich welcome back to all of our better call saw fans if you're new to us and you're joining the fun for the first time please jump into the live motherfucking chat that's the live chat right now and share your thoughts about this episode right after you see it and if you're watching this later jump in the comment section listening to the podcast come join the youtube channel and watch us live or leave a comment about this series so what I like about Better Call Saul as it's back is that the show doesn't rely on magic tricks and big, huge explosions to happen to satisfy me in a premiere. Was this episode a most exciting episode of Better Call Saul? No, but Better Call Saul isn't an exciting show. And, it, and even at its best at times doesn't really push, you know, oh, I'm really excited about what's going on. No, it's clever. It's interesting. It has good scenes between actors. And did we continue that in this Character episode? Character studies. Character studies. And do we continue that? Absolutely. This whole episode was a character study. There's the beginning half of the episode where some people might feel more than others. That's probably my favorite part of the whole episode because it's the sequel to Breaking Bad and we're actually getting more and actually get to live in the universe post Walter White in the world, which is really fucking exciting to me. And then we deal with the whole Chuck thing, which is very serious, real-life stuff. There's a lot of moments where this show could have taken a crazy, over-the-top route, and they stop. They almost stop, look at the camera, and go, not on our fucking watch. We're not going to do that stupid thing right now. Uh, with the car, with Mike in the car, where the guy's, like, starting the car. For some reason, I, I'm like, oh, the car's good. For some reason, my instinct with television the today, I'm like... going to blow up. Yeah, Joe, exactly. The car's going to blow up. It's going to happen. But no, it's, it's far more clever why are we meeting this guy why are we spending three minutes on this useless character just to set up a mic scenario and i fucking love that shit and i I was very satisfied by this episode because i it feels like i'm seeing a friend i haven't seen for a while the camera angles right from the beginning are next level intense the music suits the scene it doesn't overpower it it's never about the music it's about the music's fitting against with this perfect harmony of fucking bullshit. Yeah, I'm on the ground. I'm licking Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould's labias right now. There's a lot of smoke. We can blow up the ass of uh yep. and, the show. And I have and I have one piece of bad stuff we'll get to a little bit later too, but uh but great episode and not the the greatest episode of Better Call Saul, but I in general was very happy to have it back. Joe, what are your thoughts of this episode and why am I right? This episode <laughs> you are absolutely right. You, this episode is just like every other episode for the show. It's it's fantastic writing. It's compelling. It's gripping. It makes you sit on the edge of your seat. There's nothing going on. You're watching Jimmy fucking mope with sad face for, what, 20, 30 minutes of this episode? But every second of that, 
you're not you're not necessary you're not like you're not bored with it you're intrigued by it you you're you feel for him you feel for his, his girlfriend you feel for fucking howard <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you get the 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 fucking old bastard you know and you you feel for even that kid that guy who did it to him because you you know he didn't want to and you know, and you know he's got tough decisions and it's a tough road and all that shit that he's now opened himself up for but and it's interesting it's i i like it i think it's i think it's great storytelling I think it's great writing I'm glad there's so much about this show that I'm glad has happened and, and is happening. It's just uh, it's so it's so unique in the way it tells its stories yeah. nowadays in television. It's not relying on a lot of again tricks and magic. It's just straight up theater acting ultimately on screen with this amazing cinematography coupled with it and top notch editing. <laughs> each each shot is almost like a, a photograph, a story in itself. Yeah, there's so much story in the way it's shot. That goes along with the acting. You're absolutely right. It's a good call. It's great. And uh, live motherfucking chat. Oh, so, uh, we got the walking David who said he worked with Ernesto. Great to see you, David. Random fact, I worked on a TV pilot with the actor to play Ernesto. Corey, it tells a story rather than depending on magical flying zombies shooting unicorn farts. What could you possibly be talking about it? Uh, Sam says, I'm not a fan of Cinnabon Sal, but that was uh, but that was my favorite part of the episode. Uh Montgomery says slow as fuck but keeps me so tuned in exactly Montgomery and that's the thing so many people say Joe and I complain sometimes about you know our show's too slow our show's too slow when you're the walking dead and you're in an action show and I'm not going to talk about the walking dead but you you want to be feel like you're in the edge of your seat because of the action and the the spectacle you can you can get that you can get that without having to fucking throw a, a in tiger at it right but you know in this I mean? like, but in this like, show i'm on the edge of my seat for this but, but that's what i'm saying in this show because of the universe it's crafted for itself it can it can satisfy with something much smaller no the walking dead can too they did remember remember the winter the winter he came back and it was winter and it was silent and they were moving house remember the alamo joe remember the alamo yes remember the alpo and the alpo I know. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, Mike says in the live chat, "Live chat, you guys love The Walking Dead. Where's Negan take, uh, taking reactions? Mm -hmm. Come on, dirty, dirty cocks! Uh, where's Negan's reaction to this episode? Cocky, locky, dude." Looking good, Joe, says The Walking David. Hannibal, great to see Hannibal, Peter Griffin, all of our good friends in the live motherfucking chat. Can we turn up? I will turn Joe up a little bit over here. Thank you, guys. No, I, I got you, Joe. I got you. I got you over here. I got you. I get your fucking volume, at Right up. I think you just unplugged yourself or something. <laughs> there he is. Joe, Joe's. Is hang on. Oh, shit. Stop it, Jerry Lewis. Actually, you're going, in, you're going in and out, Joe. You're going in and out. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. I think you unplugged. I think you fucked with your mic cord or something. Sick fuck. Sick fuck fucking with your cords. Thank you, though. Hey, Steph. <laughs> hey, Steph Snow. Great to see you. So am I alone in thinking this is the last season? Corey Mitchell, you are not you are not just alone. You're wrong. Season five has already been announced. So they already announced it has been confirmed for season five. So there will be. And they haven't said that season five is going to be the last. But I, I highly speculate that season five is the last. I don't think they're going to go longer than Breaking Bad. There's not much more they have to, you know. To give us right? yeah that's what i'm even thinking for this whole season 
uh, where we're going to exactly go this whole season. And, and we'll break this down at the end because so much of, and I'm not worried, it's just so much of what grabbed me in through the first three seasons of this show were the Chuck jimmy dynamic it's going to be interesting to see how they replace that i have a feeling that they're going to give nacho a lot more material they're going to lean on that character more in the narrative and i don't necessarily mind that uh he's he's excellent in all the shit that they end up giving him to do so uh i guess let's not waste any more oh yeah i've been up for like 20 uh 30 hours or some shit no, 30 we, something, uh, 30 so, but that's a but that's actually a good hours. that's a credit to this show in a in a sense joe that that a that a slow show can keep your interest and keep you awake yeah. here to be here it, see it, i i've literally i've been up since about you know eight o'clock last night right uh and i didn't sleep at all today after work i was i was really sick i'm still feeling pretty nauseous and uh, this show had like for what the first how how long did it take before you even got like a fucking word out of anybody? In this the, and that's the fucked up thing about this show, Joe. They do it without words. And Justin and I want to I want to always bring out like criticisms and shit of fu- stuff we like and people. Well, that that's where put me out fucking four times. <laughs> but uh, or exactly or rag on shows that I love. I'm all for that shit. I mean, nothing nothing sacred when it comes to entertainment. You gotta you gotta be if you like something, you have to be willing to take people ragging on it to defend it or to 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 challenge your opinion on it to really figure out what you like sometimes it's fucking true i if you can't take criticism about something fuck oh joe i'm never gonna watch westworld because joe doesn't like it oh i can't <laughs> deal with it oh fucking no oh fucking no shit it's rooted yes, by I've, I've destroyed westworld <laughs> you have you've destroyed it for the world joe uh but justin says this show is good but how long are they gonna take to set up the characters i think if you're hoping that something big is going to happen and they're going to stop setting up characters the, the these aren't the these aren't the droids you're looking for the, this isn't the show for you the show is all about fleshing out a Saul and Goodman change, and characters characters changing yeah change in seeing how people develop and so I I think the end game of this series we all know where the end game is it's taking that the fact that most prequel stuff has no balls to it, right? And automatically, I think even Better Call Saul on some levels, with some of the some of the Gus and the Mike stuff that I really like, is deballed a little bit for me because I know how it ends. And because of that, it has a it has everything. And it's not even which I think this is the best prequel thing ever made. And I'll say that again. I think this is the best prequel thing ever made. Still has some elements of prequelitis. So to combat that. They know that. So what they're trying to do is create something different. Instead of it being about where the fucking story's going, it's about the people that are involved in the story. And it's a slow character study kind of piece that has comedic moments, action points, and can hit nostalgia at the right point. And they're trying to organize that all into a perfect fucking uh, hodgepodge uh, gumbo meal and mix it all together and deliver it to you and slow cook it and make it delicious. And it's going to hit and it's not going to hit and some stuff's going to fly by, but they're always working. See... So, uh, so yeah, so I see what you're saying, but it's, it works for me. It's not going to work for everyone all the time. And I know you're saying the show is good, but I don't think they're really ever going to get to that place where, where it feels like the end of Breaking Bad, where those last few seasons of Breaking Bad, where season four on, where action, 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 action. I think it's always going to be in neutral rolling down the hill. If that makes, if that makes sense. 
So let's go to the live motherfucking chat here. Oh, bend over. Damn. So uh, this is a weird episode for you too, Joe. Oh, Joe. Uh, these writers are concerned with telling the story, not how many seasons it will be. For inf your information, Joe line of work of being a lead singer of The Counting Crows. Uh, yeah. or Someone asked what I did for work. I'm a, I work on a lot psych, you know, I'm a mental health and drug addiction counselor. Yeah, or, or proctologist, as Bernie the Burnt says. E yeah. Either way. Either Pretty close. Pretty, yeah, either That's way. Close guess. <laughs> e either way, you're dealing with a lot of ass or something like that. So let's let's continue down. I mean ass like the smell, the smell of the ass. Uh, so <laughs> That is true. That is true. We're anywhere where there's like a lot of people hanging out. It's 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 uh it's or sleeping in the same area. The 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 the, the smell of ass constitutes, but speaking of ass <laughs> recap Okay, so uh, wish certain writers focused on the story. <laughs> Says Lindsay, uh, fucking dead. I have uh, been wishing that for a long time, Lindsay. It's assy Hannibal. Great to see Hannibal O'Neill in the live chat. And I forgot to mention, we also have a voicemail and text line. If you guys want to get your voice in the discussion, you can do that. 781-990-8509. You think Joe and I are full of shit. You agree with Joe and I. You just want to say, hey, you guys. Hey, say, hey, you guys. Guys, whatever. Leave us a message. Seven eight one. What's oh, sorry? Oh no. Finish the seven eight one nine nine zero eight five zero nine. What was your favorite part of this episode? You said, you said it was the. It was the. It was the beginning or the very end. There was so much part, or or there was also a section. The moment where it was a little cliche at the end, but where Jimmy and Kim are talking on the bench and then and and basically nothing's happened they disappear and then they just show the bench alone but i think ultimately my favorite part of the episode is the way the beginning episode beginning of the episode started because for excuse me 3 seasons now I've been saying I want more of the black and white solid. We've gotten that little bit at the beginning, and we've always been like, oh, we're going to get more at the end. This was actually a real scene. We heard dialogue. We actually got to feel the character of Saul Goodman post-Breaking Bad, and it was filmed so well with the, the slight black and white sepia, whatever that shit's going on, the fast editing, the quick stuff, the, just the cinnabonness of it all, and his fear. Uh, it reminded me a lot, and I said this in the notes, so I'll probably repeat this later, the the doors song Pe people look people faces look ugly when you're alone because he's so panicking he thinks everyone's out to get him every situation he needs to look at he's dealing with these eyes like was the guy in the cab really fucking stalking him because he had the albuquerque thing is that real was he somehow connected to to gus's family to uh, anyone to anybody and he recognized him or was that just in his imagination and we we're seeing things through his perspective all of those elements together made that section to me really fucking awesome but then the mic stuff was good in this episode too uh, fuck joe uh, what, what was your favorite scene of the episode before we get into the recap you're gonna have to own it <laughs> yeah oh you're gonna at the end with uh with in the smile that was well, he's pouring that fucking coffee you mean the, the smile the the moment where I think that this episode, in a lot of ways, set you up to feel uncomfortable through the whole episode with Saul, with uh, with Jimmy. And I think what you saw in this episode was the last Baskin of Jimmy die. And in that moment when he turns to Howard and he does that, that's Saul Goodman. 
that he's there. That's him. He just click, compartmentalize, move on. Yep. He's going to be like, oh, right. It's not my fault. It is your fault. Yep. Yep. It is. Exactly. Exactly. Go, I'll, is, that, is, is that the way I'm going to deal with this? Okay. I'll deal with it that way. And if you're going to be... If you're going to be a manipulator and you're going to fucking think of the lowest common denominator and if you're going to go into that go to that place to survive, those are the moments you have to look for. You live for those moments. Oh, you're going to take the guilt off me here? Okay. Fuck you. I mean, how he really feels inside is irrelevant, but in that moment what you need to move on and you can you can use anything. You can use anything that you need to make up and manipulate your own brain to say I can deal with this. I'm going to move on. Doesn't always work long term. Sometimes it, you can plug you can plug the dam. You can keep the water's gonna keep coming the fuck through. Eventually, that dam is gonna fall the fuck down. No matter how much gum you put there, but the gum's gonna work for a little little while blocking the water. It's all good, man. Let's go into the live chat. <laughs> Fucking a. One thing I can say that got me hooked with the premiere is the direction they're taking with nachos, said Lindsay. I don't know why I started to sing that. I was like, sorry, Lindsay. Uh, one thing I can say is like Frank Sinatra. No, sorry. I can say got me hooked with the premiere. And I was mentioning that in passing a few seconds ago. I think with Chuck being out of the show right now, and I think we might get some flashbacks, but... With Michael McKeon not being a main actor and a main focus of the show, they have to fill those scenes somewhere. And it can't just be with Jimmy and Mike. And I think Howard's probably going to be on the show a little bit less, in my approximation. So I think. No, it- I think we're going to get a little bit more Howard. I think he's going to sue Howard. Ooh, I like that. He's going to get he's going to get all of all of his brother's fucking money and shares out of that fucking business. And then he might just turn around and fucking sue him. He, he's definitely going to try. That, that... You are responsible for my brother dying. Mm-hmm. You caused him. He you admitted doing it. better, and you admitted it in front of me and another yeah, lawyer. Yeah, and I have a witness. I have a witness. Uh, Nick says, I like Mike's character. I was so mad when Walter killed him in Breaking Bad. Mike was a nice break of comic relief in this episode. I liked, yeah, Mike was really in a good situation in this episode. Lindsay says, Mike Airman Trout is my spirit animal. Oh, we're going to get into that. I could I could taste those yummy Cinnabons, says Birdie. Mmm, delicious. And now winning the Joffrey Award of the most hated character is Lydia. Do you think the uh, dam will break in the present with the Cinnabon world? I, I've heard that I think the end conclusion of Better Call Saul between this season and next season needs to conclude in the future timeline. And I, I think it will. And I, I doubt they're going to do another Breaking Bad universe kind of situation. So I think they're going to close this all out next season the way they want to do it. And I don't know if it's Saul turning himself in. I don't know if that I works. I think that's what's going to happen. It, it could easily be that. Or, or somehow we're going to see Jesse in that timeline. I know... For whatever it's worth, before we get into this episode, a lot of stuff's been talked about in the offseason. The Breaking Bad 10-year reunion happened, and Aaron Paul and and, uh, Brian Cranston have been asked thousands upon millions of times, will they be on Better Call Saul? Both of them have said repeatedly, we are dying to be on this fucking show. It's just a—and Vince Gilligan keeps saying, well, I'll have to put them on there, but it's got to feel real. I can't just stick them on there and have them walk by. That would just be stupid. So— He's trying to find it, but he's not just going to find a reason. And I think Jesse, I've said this before, Jesse makes a lot more sense than Walter. I can't see how you get Walter into it. Jesse, I, obviously because Walter's dead. Je- car wash. The, the car wash, but that's just a glorified cameo. That They, they don't, they don't want to do that. 
They don't want to do, hey, I am Walter White in the background. They want to have a reason to have the characters in the scene. And I can but think of. See, I think that is real. Like, yeah, you, what a, have a reason. There's oh, that's no so reason TV that they cliche. Met. They obviously never met beforehand. Dude, that could have been on our list of top tele, television cliches. You happen to go to the place where the character's at the place. and it's, like that, But that's real, right? Like, uh, what, what's not real about that? They're from the same fucking area. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's true. Have you not run into people before? Like, that. That like no, and and I will I will I will I will go in your direction here to say you always bump into the person you least expect, and it's always weird. Like, oh, whoa, hey, I bumped into you, but it's still not that super common. But you can definitely do Jesse in there. Uh, Lindsay says I hated Chuck, but he was the only storyline I was truly invested in. But I think Nacho and Howard are going to hold my interest this season. Uh, Lily of the Va Lily of the Fox Valley. How did Mike sign that birthday card? What name did he use? I wanted to rewind and watch that part again. I think he signed the name of the guy whose information he stole. I think Mike was smart enough to do that, or maybe he trolled it because he realized he could get away with anything pretty soon in that scene. Okay, so let's get into this shit. Really quick here, so more Breaking Bad stuff, sequel. We open up on future Breaking Bad, and we see this, we hear this old song that tickles me, uh, I love, makes me scratch my nose, I'm like, ha, 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 ha. I love this shit. We and just you immediately know you're back into this fucking universe. Uh, just saying that Jesse post Breaking Bag is probably batshit crazy. I'm going to go with Phil on this one. It would be too TV to have Jimmy just pass by Walter at the car wash. Like, like hey, Fonz, what's going on? Hey, I'm at the car wash. It I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm sure if it's the last season and they can't figure out a real way to put him in there, uh, Maybe Mike has to go to a school meeting because of his granddaughter and Walter is one of the teachers at the school meeting. That would make more sense than just walking into the car. Granddaughter's what? No. But it could be like the school system or some shit. I don't know. Oh. It could be the same school system. Oh, whatever, dude. Well, I don't want to spend this whole time talking about Walter and Why Jesse. Why can it be? Why can it be a true-to-life moment? Okay. It's Why, do they, Why does there have to be like some sort of more i mean we want it but like why does it have to be it doesn't but i think with all oh, i guess it doesn't but i guess with jesse i can see how it could be i can see it being more than just like a uh you know like walking by on the street is one thing but like you know fucking walter white getting yelled at at the uh at the car wash by his manager like while while Jimmy's getting a car wash on the phone, happens to notice him during one of these introspective fucking moments where he's see, staring off. Into see, the more you kinda. say, the more like, you say why that. Not? What's wrong with that? The more you say that, the more I want it, and the same I want uh, Badger and Skinny Pete to show up at some point in time too. But but whatever. Now you're just tickling my nostalgia bone, and it's not fair. It's like it's like offering me sexual favors and asking me questions. I'm distracted by the sexual favors that you're offering me. I can't I can't think clearly. But you're you're right. I mean, that doesn't sound horrible the way you're describing it. So uh, so so yeah, Joe. Yeah, Joe, tell me again, baby. So, um, Mike, it's just, it's, it's just it's a scene that makes sense that can fit easy, that isn't hard to explain what Walter is doing there. You know, like you get a little you get a little taste of it. You you see where his frustration is at that time in his life. You know what I mean? Like, 
Um, I, I, I'm gonna go. I need, I need to get a sound clip, and I'm gonna go with a yeah, bitch for that one. Hey, great to see Killmonger in there. Uh, so we open up on the fucking Breaking Bad sequel. We hear the old song. We're back to the future here of Breaking Bad, present time, I guess, in black and white. We see Gene passed out on the ground after what happened at the end of or last time we've seen him. The cops picking him up, asking Gene, "Are you all right?" We see his perspective on the stretcher, and this is right at the moment where you go, "Okay, I see what kind of shit." We're back to the cinema cinematography and the camera angles and the fucking editing and the music and okay oh uh, 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 yeah okay <laughs> that that feeling again as you see Saul in the hospital squeezing his morphine and uh or squeezing the 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 nurse bell or something and uh we're in the hospital he's there with a killer mustache and they're doing all these tests the doctor comes in tells him he's got high blood pressure but it's not a heart heart attack and the hospital and then we get into this scene with the hospital person that's pretty fucking cool and pretty fucking tense and we start to see things from gene's perspective on what he has to deal with in this world that he lives in now sorry would you mind i have a taxi coming it'll just take a moment I have another look at your driver's license. And, and what's so awesome in this scene is seeing how Bob Odenkirk plays this. He plays this so uncomfortably, like the awkward guy at the party, that his co his comedy and his improv training pay off so much in some scenes like this to make it awkward. Because he's just sitting there with his mustache looking like a Mr. Show character, you know, and standing there, like, like looking all awkward and crap. It's, uh, you expect... Uh, Jeff trying, he wants to run, but would, how odd and suspicious would that be? Exactly, that would just attract more attention, Joe. It's your current address? fucking crazy. And then it just leads up and it all pays off at the end where he, she enters all his information incorrectly and ultimately it's because she's entering zeros instead of O's or O's instead of zeros. And you see that it's all just a fucking, it's all red herring, dude. It's, it, communism is just a red herring. Uh, Nick says, this has been nice, but I got to go. Thank you and thank you for joining us. And we'll definitely be back to talk about Better Call Saul every week this season. Myself and Joe when he has nights off from work or when he is unfortunately sick. I'll, I will get sick, Joe. I'll take sick, Joe. He can't go out in public, but he can he can stick a microphone in his face. Dude, that yeah. hospital scene gave me anxiety. Me too. And I think a lot of this episode was about anxiety and like building up the anxiety of when of how you have to compartmentalize issues <laughs> to go to the issues program the fucking issues and and you see him dealing with it through the whole fucking episode until he finally breaks at the end or we see that break even though this is the future he breaks at the end and that's when i think the ret we're gonna see a different tone next episode and see him more bump 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 in full attack mode with all the stuff like when he was circling all the con possibilities in the newspaper at the beginning of the episode so, uh, okay, so we hold on for one more second. We gets into the taxi with the guy with the Albuquerque symbol. We already kind of talked about this. The taxi driver gives him crazy eyes. Uh, Joe, if you, and I know you, put on your Miss Cleo hat. Do you think this guy was really somebody? Was this a guy with a members only jacket? Was this the Sopranos guy that's going to kill Tony Soprano? Or was this just a taxi driver that he is paranoid because he's, because he has. Paranoid solved. Paranoid solved, yeah. I, I tend to think so too. I, they they really play with you in the scene though by having the taxi linger 
It doesn't. It doesn't go it like zombie taxi driver too. Like yeah, with dude the... looked weird around the eyes. It reminded me of in, in like an Oliver Stone movie when they just do weird flashes. I'm gonna go off camera for a second to you, where it's like we're talking to Joe, and then suddenly they flash to just my eyes, like I right hear, <laughs> and they flash yeah. back to something else. Oh, I was I was supposed to go to another angle of you. I, I fucked that all up, but you know what I mean. It, it was he had those weird weird uh, informant eyes going on right there. The taxi driver looked awfully familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. He, yeah, he's been in something's a sitcom or or a bit bit character in another role, and and and, he, and it makes me go like this with my face. Yes, Renfield, he's got great flies. Sorry, I'm sweating. It's fucking hot in here. <laughs> so it it's, it's fucking hot. It's like it's it's. Uh, I love this shit. It's eleven o'clock, but it's still like ninety fucking degrees, and it's uh-huh. it's it's humid as fuck. I'm I'm swimming in this office. Um, no, DJ. Oh, have a good night, Sam. It is great to see you. And, uh, oh, no, it's corrected. Sam's not out of here. So, uh, so let's continue here. So we come back in and we see this was, I, this was weird for them to do because they don't usually do things like this, but I guess they do with Chuck's. Uh, this is something that Better Call Saul does that Breaking Bad didn't do quite as much. Uh, and I don't know if it's just because of the way they play with special effects a little bit differently. The the fire ember moment when Saul and Kim are in bed and we see the embers of fire or the sparkles or the fireflies fly through. It's a weird sort of transitional kind of moment that they do. And I really liked it, but it definitely stuck out as them playing. Like whoever's the editor or the graphic designer going, ah, you know, I want to do a fun transition here. And they did something and I, and I dug it, but I, I definitely made note of it. It was pretty fucking cool. Uh, dog, cab, you smile. Stephanie stopped. That was the one moment in the episode where Stephanie stopped and goes, that was fucking cool. That was awesome. And so we come back in and we see all the remnants of the fire. We see the office. We see the, the files from Mesa Verde. We basically see all of the first three season information passing through. We pass through three seasons worth of information. I can't explain it, but I feel like this was the show telling us, okay, all that stuff's from the past. We're moving forward from this point now. All that stuff's over, essentially. And that's what the fire was symbolizing, that it was kind of burning the past of the fucking show. But, I mean, fuck me in my fucking head for, for this crap. I could, I could just be making it out of my ass. I am literally pulling it out of my ass. But it could, you know, you keep throwing shit at the wall. Something's going to hit occasionally. But I, I do think that was kind of what they're trying to go for as we're getting into the new world and and everything that Chuck did here is going to burn down Jimmy's world completely as well as some music that we hear later on that I think has a very significant meaning to to Jimmy and the the three parts of Jimmy or or at the beginning of the episode I forgot to mention that at the beginning but where in the song that he plays where we're we're in the black and white scene is something about three identities and it's the three identities that we see in the show we see Cinnabon Saul Gene we see we see Jimmy and then we have the ultimate Saul Goodman that we know he becomes for the Breaking Bad for the prequelitis of it all that ultimately he has to become this person that we saw in Breaking Bad eventually so it's interesting and again it's fun to play with that by having Different timelines or different characters, study moments of him at different points intersecting and having having the same meaning that they're trying to get across with the different shits. And, and I feel like I had to say shits because I felt like I was getting kind of, you know, shits <laughs> because uh, because of uh, my discussion with Joe before the show started. <laughs> so, so we see the we see the remnants of the fire and 
<laughs> and it's not long after what happened. It's the next day because because Kim still looks at they do pretty well. I saw I watched the episode before right before they, they did pretty well with matching Kim's injuries. Uh, it looks very similar to the final episode of last season. But I I also get called bullshit about him getting up in the bed and and not waking up Kim. So he gets up, we get music, we get action music, we're back. He, he makes food, he makes coffee, shit's happening, not cooking meth, but shit's happening, everyday life stuff, picking up paper, uh, putting a half a gallon of milk into cereal and uh, not working, circling for jobs, you know, where he can, where he can manipulate people. And then we eventually get Howard calling and he ignores the phone call. I'm trying to reach Jimmy. If you would please let him know. I really need to talk to him. It's Chuck. And I love that that music tone is like Willy Wonka. So let, let's go into the live motherfucking chat for a second here. Who's uh Phil, I'm at work, but I'm listening. Uh, I love Jimmy and Kim's relationship, but we know it's not going to end well. Whose social did Gene Cinnabon use? What was that Chuck social? No, I think it was the information that he got from the fixer guy from uh, from the Jackie. The one to uh, Walter. And... Exactly. The, the guy that can get you to disappear, but you can only do it once. Jimmy, have a good night, Jimmy. Great to see you. Great to see Bubs. Hopefully your night at work is not too annoying and we're help making it a little sillier this evening. So uh, so Howard calls and and I know this is an episode. I'm like, make this episode silly. That's dealing with uh, his brother committing suicide in a uh, in a self burning situation. It's uh, it's not it's not ve- it's not very goofy, but it, but we'll, we do our best here. So uh, Jimmy's in the car, the music shifts, the mood shifts, and everything kind of suddenly gets serious. And Howard's there. Jimmy gets the scene excellently acted by Bob Odenkirk. You can just see the destruction in his face as he's riding up uh, and he's, as he's driving there, running there in the situation to try to figure out if he can do anything. Because once you know that, even if you know you can't do anything, you're going to try anything, anything you can fucking do to get there and to, to fuck up the situation. So... So I, I don't know, Joe. I mean, the, what else can we, what, I'm? What else can we say about this moment right here? Bob Odenkirk nails it, dude. And I mean, we said this for three seasons, isn't it? It's it's amazing that I never knew he had this this gear with all the comedy stuff he did. I it never occurred to me that Bob Odenkirk could be an awesome fucking actor like this. And never. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty fucking crazy. So uh, the stuff that he pulls off on this show, and even on Breaking Bad, that's the thing. Like Saul Goodman was an excellent character, but I didn't think they could go this deep with the character. And it's it's almost like a bet, <laughs> like 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 they bet each other. Can, can, can we do this? Can we go, can we go this deep with this character? I, I think we could. I think we could. Uh, okay, so uh, so Howard's there. Kurt Sutter, they wanted to work on. Uh... Mayans, but Fox was like, no, we want you to do this other shit, executioner shit. All right. <clears throat> I'll write five episodes for you. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see. I mean, a season. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. We'll definitely see how that goes. Okay, so uh, let's listen to a little bit of some audio here of Kim trying to comfort Jimmy on the bench. So, he says it started in the living room. 
Somehow, one of the lanterns was knocked over, and then the inspector says it was over fast. Smoke inhalation, so he didn't suffer. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Did no one ever suffer in the history of the world? And I love how Saul. I love how Saul calls. He didn't suffer yet. Yeah, they're gonna say that. Yeah, they're gonna say that. They're always gonna say that. They're always gonna say that. They, someone does a joke about that. I forget who it was. They died peacefully in their sleep. How do they know? I'm, I'm stealing the joke. The, this isn't my joke. Uh, how, as far as they know, you could be sleeping and then you wake up in the middle of the night. Ah, man, I'm no one's dying peacefully in their sleep. So, uh, so Kim, conf Kim conf comforts him on the bench. It's a really, really sick scene. It's, it's very emotional. This music is very noir style, dark. It, it suits the scene. It's setting this very dark mode. And it's very... It's very telling, I think, when we look at this whole season, this episode will be very telling on the decisions that Jimmy makes moving forward and how he studies all of this and, and moves forward from Chuck's death. Did you see the backyard? And this is key right here. He already knows. He, he's His microwave. His he knows at this point that Chuck did this on purpose. And the last time he talked to Chuck, if I, people were saying this in the live chat, the last things that they said to each other were, Joe, you know, I don't really give a shit what you do. You never really meant anything to me. That, I mean, that's what Chuck, that's basically what Chuck said to him. You know, Jimmy, you never really meant a lot to me. I feel a lot better now. I don't need you. And you never really meant a lot to me. Stop pretending to be nice to people. Stop apologizing. Stop trying to be a good person and do the fucked up thing and then try to make better. You're never going to make better. Own that you're a dickwad and stay the fuck away from me is what Thanks, Chuck said bro. to him. Thanks, bro. That, that's sage advice. You know, we can, we can all hope to have brothers like Chuck in our lives. We can all hope to have that kind of fucking support in our life from our older brothers and our parents and our friends and our fucking significant others. We can all hope to have that kind of love that Chuck has for his brother. Fucking piece of shit asshole. And <laughs> I've seen bits and pieces of Odenkirk and Mr. Show. Funny stuff. He is. He's hilarious. Uh, Bob and Mike are great. Bob Odenkirk is one of those guys that's been in so many fucking things. It's incredible. Um, he's not He's not the same thing, but I equate him sometimes with, from his comedic standpoint, to Phil Hartman, where he's just in so many small parts here or there that you don't realize and just kills every role that he's in. Okay, so Kim talks to him. She wants to get him out of there and get him out of the situation. But again, it's when you're in these kind of fucking horrible, fucked up moments, it's tough to leave that bench, dude. It's tough to get out because once you leave the bench, I mean, it's already done. But once you leave the bench, it's all done. You're out of the situation, and you and all of this plays through with the characters, and so we need a little break from all this shit. We need we need a break from the this downtime. Let's go to another person's downtime. Let's go to Mike. We see Mike at the toll booth. We see that head. The head's looking good. He seems to be happy. Well, as happy as Mike gets, and he takes a sigh of relief as he's done with this stupid fucking job. Yeah, shift over. Looks that way. He'd take it easy. So, uh, the boss says he's gonna want the windbreaker. Of course he does.
And it's interesting, Joe. I don't know if this was the only time, but it uh, it's it looked really weird seeing Mike with short sleeves. <laughs> so it looked really it looked really weird seeing Mike with short short sleeves. So then we're off to Mike with his granddaughter and Joe. What's wrong with it, Joe? You're I, standing on it. I gotta do I don't it. Think so. I gotta do it. Look down. You're standing on it. Really? Hey. Hey. Okay. Okay. Fine. Right there. Fine. You gave the kid enough lines. Cut the scene. You two having fun? Five more minutes, please. Five more minutes, but that's it. Hey, baby. Thank you. I'm horrible. Whatever. You can say, you can, you can fucking make fun of me all I want. I'm harsh to kid actors. They could have cast a better kid. The kid, the kid wasn't yep. great. The kid wasn't a, wasn't a great actor and took me out of the scene a little bit. She was all right with Mike, but mommy, please. It almost sounded like I was watching, I, watching a com commercial at a couple of times. Mommy, can I please go to Chunky Cheese, please? So, uh, so I don't know. Minor point, but I did make note that, the, that they gave the little girl a few too many lines. I can't, I can't not call it out. I can't call it out on every other show and then whistle past oh, the graveyard here. Good. Con comedy sketch about um you know if a child actor later must pass when they win uh awards like that you know like uh best actor awards and best supporting actor awards and like it's like wow if children are doing your job better than you <laughs> <laughs> you're pretty fucking shitty at your job <laughs> Yeah, I forget who that is, but I, I recognize that bit as well. Corey, have a good night as well. Lindsay, I love that scene between Mike and Kaylee, but it's heartbreaking. Thanks, Breaking Bad. Uh, you know, it's heartbreaking. I know. Uh, and I, I liked I liked Mike in that scene, and I did not like the scene, but I do have to point out that I, I made note of the uh, little girl's uh, shit. The kid in, uh, yeah, the kid in Breaking Bad was better, and she didn't even have to say anything, really. Uh, so Mike is home. He's looking in the mail. He gets his letter from Madrigal, his paycheck. He looks at it, it's ten grand. He's like, "The fuck! I'm getting paid ten grand from this company. This is too easy. What kind of you know, what kind of fucking shit is?" And he thinks for a second, but then he goes, "Nah, fuck it. I'm just gonna earn my ten grand, and I'm gonna sit down on my ass, or earn this check, and watch some baseball." And we. Again, this show's not afraid. For the next five minutes of this show, we basically get a full... I'm exaggerating. It's probably two minutes. We get a full spinning shot, Joe, of Mike going around in his chair. I, just watching baseball, showing how fucking bored he is. And you know what? I was thinking when I was watching that scene before I figured out what the fuck they were doing. I was going, you know, I'm kind of bored watching the back of Mike's head here. It's a little uncomfortable. I wasn't. I was wondering what was going to happen next. I, His, I, where the action picks up for this show. Him and when you get into like, uh, what's his name? Hector or some shit? Uh, uh, Nacho. Nacho. Like when you get into them too, that's where you start getting into a little bit more of your action and shit. So. Yeah, and it's and it's gonna even it off. I didn't mean I was bored with the scene. I meant I felt like I, I felt the same way in a sense that you said it was just it just uh, verbalized it a little different. It's I was what's gonna happen next? You know, I could tell that Mike was Mike's get not out. just yeah. Let's, let's the Mike shit already. Yeah, let's get to it. Let's get to let's get to Thanks. what Mike's shit's about to happen here. And uh, so he's he's like, I'm going to call Madrigal. And he does that television thing. Ding! Television trope, 9,388. That information at any time, any place other than television will give addresses. 
I don't care if it's 1990, whatever. I've tried that before. Maybe in Arizona it does it and I'm wrong. But I've tried it before and I don't think 411 ever gave addresses. For a business it will. Oh, it will. Okay. Per perhaps I'm stand corrected. And I have I've more tried it for people's houses because I've seen that in the movies. Yeah, to, to, could you give me the could you give me the address with that number too? You you see that so much in movies, and I've tried it and it doesn't work. Did he call four one one? Do we know it was four one one he called? I guess because he called information for a phone number. Huh. Maybe I don't know. He called four one one. I just assumed. <laughs> And uh, the kid in Breaking Bad, the granddaughter was better. He's still alive. I'm about to watch it. I never tried 411. I know it's 411. I was going to say when Saul was looking in the WAN ads earlier, uh, the WAN ads were a place where you'd look for jobs before Indeed and Monster existed. Uh, the uh, the 411 was a place that you would call to uh, to to get yeah. phone yeah to get phone numbers. You would have to be like in uh, I got kind of a number for Joe Dirty Locks and Lynn. Uh, I think, I think, and you'd have this, and you'd set up this weird conversation sometimes where you'd be bargaining with this. Eventually, it got to be a computer recording, but like in the early days of 411, or like when I was a kid and I remember when I was calling it, you'd have these conversations where you try to figure out together who the, especially if you've got a good operator, who the person you're trying to call is. So yeah, I, I, try the one on Washington. Okay. Try the one yeah. on, on Hamilton Street. Yeah. Okay. Try the one yeah. on, uh, well, there's a dirty. Well, there's a dirty locks that in uh, in Saugus now that used to live in Lynn. Um, could, could, I, could I transfer you to that number, please? Okay, sure. You know, it was a very helpful, you know, when you were bored, you could spend some time talking to the phone one operator. It was, it was a good time. Yeah. yeah I, I miss it. Unlike Blockbuster, which we saw in this show, which I don't miss, late fees and rewind fees and fuck you fees, although I feel like that's all wasted money and Blockbuster can still go fuck themselves. But yeah. Andrew Jackson says, I have gotten addresses from 411 back in the day. Uh, Amanda Kane says, Phil, you're an idiot. 401, you didn't say I'm an idiot. 401 information, house numbers, addresses, and shit. Phil, I'm a masshole too. What the fuck are you talking about? I swear I've tried it and they said no. But perhaps I'm just too sketchy. Perhaps the way I go about it, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I could, never, I could never be a private dick. I could, I could never do that. I could never stalk anybody. I'm fucking awesome. And uh, so, so if I, I I stand corrected, I guess. Welcome, uh, welcome, Andrew Jackson, fellow masshole, and Amanda Kane. Uh, Lindsay, my husband pointed out that he could have sworn he saw Jimmy circle an ad for, uh, for, oh, for Benicky Fabricators, Skyler White. It's funny. I wanted to, I wanted to freeze frame there for a second and look at the look at the ads. That could be an interesting way of bringing Walter in if they bring him in through Skyler. <laughs> Sam says, ew, no, no, Skylar. So we get the full sh spinning shot of Mike watching baseball, and uh, we get the information on Madrigal, and then we go back to Jimmy's trying to wash dishes, and Kim and Howard are on the phone, and ugh, God, fucking shit. This was the moment in the episode where I almost got emo emotional, because whenever I see this stuff, uh, I just... Not the show after Breaking Bad that the commercials kept trying to tell me. I'm after Better Call Saul, I mean. They kept trying to tell me, this show is going to be like The Big Lebowski in a television show. I'm actually going to quote The Big Lebowski here and say, yeah, we're not bereaved. We're not idiots here. But like when you're – it's so fucked up. You know, I don't want to talk about death too much. But this episode's about death, so we can't fucking help it here. So – 
the shit when the shittiest parts yeah people people dying sucks but it also sucks that in that moment right after you're dealing with some of the most tragic fucking losses in the world you're having to deal with this big financial fucking transaction and also this big public proclamation shit and all that shit doesn't mesh dealing with fucking losing people can be damn fucking hard for everybody no matter who you are what you're dealing with uh what kind of person you are Fucking losing people fucking sucks. And then having someone go, asking you questions like, hey, can you, uh, you know, what do you want this to say? What do you want here? Oh, can I charge you here? This is going to cost you $10,000. here. This is, and, and jacking you at every fucking point in time, any place, fucking sucks too. And Howard's feeding right into this and Jimmy in this moment in this scene being like, I want to tell you the obituary. Because later we know that Howard feels guilty, so he's trying to show that he really loved Chuck and show all this good stuff. But his shit's fucking with Jimmy's shit. And it's, it's, a, it's a horrible scene in the way that it feels real to me joe it, it felt really real yeah because he looked up to he looked up to chuck like a big brother too so in a little bit of a way he kind of feels like i don't know in his own fucked up way like a brother to jimmy yeah yeah like an older brother to jimmy like he has some sense of ownership on now that chuck and maybe that's how hamlin becomes more of a character he tries to help jimmy to get his license back uh, because we know that Jimmy eventually does get the license back within a year, but Howard could help, you know, help orchestrate that or a name change. I don't know, no, whatever. But to, to kind of take on that that role with Jimmy at this point. But Jimmy won't let, not after the, what happens at the end of the episode, though. <laughs> oh, we got a voicemail. Awesome, Sam. We will play the voicemail at the end of the recap. And and before we head off, anyone else wants to leave a voicemail, 781-990-8509. Also leave a text message if I don't get to your motherfucking chat. So Howard reads it nervously, and it's a, it's, it's you know, it's, it's really wonderful. It's Howard. Re you should talk to him. <laughs> Lindsay says, Howard is a gigantic turd. Is anyone surprised he didn't include Jimmy? I didn't even think about that. He never says survived by his brother. Let's listen to that. I want to make sure I didn't. But I'd really like to run it by you, if that's okay. Do it. Go ahead. Great. Okay. <laughs> Charles Lindbergh McGill, a towering figure in the Albuquerque. When Howard said Charles had respect for the law, I laughed my ass off. Says Lindsay Community, Clyde. who built one of the leading law firms in the Southwest was taken from this world tragically and suddenly last week. Son of Ruth and Willard McGill, Charles was born and raised in Cicero, Illinois, outside Chicago. <laughs> this guy plays that, eh? Hey, Charles graduated Like, dickhead, uh, like, I'm a street, street hit, blah, blah, blah. Like, he does that voice so well. School. That, uh, that boss from Office Space voice. In his undergraduate years at the University of Pennsylvania, Charles led the debate team to national championship. He led the debate years running and won the Larkin Prize. He was editor in chief of the Law Review. And, and the look on Jimmy's face through all of this is just the first dead. year moot court competition at Georgetown Law, where he went on to graduate magna cum laude. Dead. After clerking at both the Delaware Court of Chancery and the United States Court of Appeal. And I don't know what Jimmy's exactly thinking about in this moment. To me, what I want to think that Jimmy's thinking about through all of this, through this whole moment through all of all this emotion, Joe, is I think Jimmy's thinking, I don't give a fuck. Fuck Chuck at this point. And yeah, he's accomplished this before. He doesn't need to hear this shit. Yeah, and I think I think at this point, he's he's done. He's already broken Saul at this point in his head. 
He's he's just he's holding it together. He is like the Hulk, rather ready to break out right now. He's just obstacle left. Yep, exactly. Biff, What's her? Uh, Kim. That's the one. That's the one. Bernie the burnt Biff voice. Yeah, it's a Biff voice. Yes. So Howard reads it nervously, shaking in the office, probably drunk, writes everything. Jimmy tries to hold together. He's frozen. Hamlin is dealing, moving. He's being a penis. Uh, She and Kim, after all of this, after Jimmy just kind of puts down the phone, Kim takes over and says, that's fine, whatever, hangs up. Kim tries probably, again, one of the most realistic moment scenes that you're going to get in a show. And I don't think every show can pull this off, Joe. They have a scene here that has zero dialogue, zero fucking dialogue. Kim pulls out shot glasses, puts them down, and they take shots. And she, they just keep taking shots till she passes out, and he just sits there all fucking night. And I, when we've gone through some serious situations, I think that's basically exactly what we've done. <laughs> you know, you just sit there, you take shots, even with you passing out on my shoulder like that. Mm-hmm. Head in your lap. Head in your lap, yeah. It's true, true. It's true story. So uh in the next in the next part of the episode, in the next part of the episode, we move on. And uh we're in Nacho and Hector and Gus and the ambulance. And the ambulance people show up. Gus and Nacho are left alone and and I he, and Gus walks away, heads towards the car to make a phone call. Nacho is trying to drop the pills that he was going to use to poison Hector from last season in sewer to ditch them so he has no evidence of it. And while Gus is talking on the phone, Gus comes over and he's like, "You have to come with me. We have to go meet the boss, and we have to go for a ride." We see a bunch of the uh, of of chicken signs, chicken posters, polo signs, and we see Nacho's freaking out, all things considered, because of what just happened with Hector, because not knowing his life, but mainly because he has these pills in his pocket that are, that show that he's fucked if he's finding it because he tried to kill a, a boss, essentially, even though a boss that people hate. So Nacho's brought in, or a, a captain, anyways. So Nacho's brought in to talk, and they have this conversation. They have a conversation about Hector. Oh, I was going to play it? I, I was going to play it and I recorded it, but I realized it was in Spanish. So, uh, so let's play it. Let's play it in the back. Pero Martino, es el compadre Tuco. Es buena onda. El compadre de Tuco. I wish I could speak Spanish, but I can't. Or I, I can understand it partially, but I couldn't follow it. But thank goodness for subtitles. They say that Hector had a stroke. They give Nacho some more power to take up his pickups and stuff. And they uh, and they say they know him. They've heard of him, whatever. And keep business as usual. When he leaves, they basically say to each other, Hector sucks. And how do we deal with him? And Gus is like, no wars. Wars bring chaos. Uh, there's got to be another plan. Chaos brings the DEA. Yep. And there's got to be another plan to deal with this situation. And we kind of lead that there is going to be a different situation. Sam is fluid in Spanish. Sam, translate for the live on the fucking chat so I can, uh, I can read it. Ignacio. Don Hector tuvo un derrame cerebral. No sabemos cuándo volverá. Pero escúchenme. El territorio de Salamanca se queda el territorio de Salamanca. Nada cambia. Las colectas continúan igual. What was that, Jeff? What did you say, Jeff? 
It's in Salamanca territory, has to stay Salamanca territory. Things got to continue as they have been. Debe ser exacto. Exacto. Si alguien cruza una línea, ustedes los paran. Tienen una entrega mañana por la noche. La recogen, la empaquetan. Bring it, package it, and you ship it. Yep, everything stays the same. Yes, Sam in the chat says the same thing. Listen to me, the territory will stay within the Salamancas. This is a tragedy, but things will continue. Todo como lo han hecho antes. Everything will be exact. This, exactly the same. Do you understand? An arrival will come tomorrow. Si hacen esto correctamente, las cosas podrían ir muy bien para ustedes. So then he le he leaves, and then they turn to each other and they have their own discussion about how much Hector sucks and about how to deal with Hector. Ese viejo cabrón siempre ha sido un problema. Yeah, that guy was always a fucking problem, or that fuck that fucking asshole was always a problem. Pero mantiene su casa en orden, Gustavo. What do you think, Gus? ¿Qué piensas? Alguien se movará contra los Salamancas. Lo que trae la guerra. Lo que trae el caos. Lo que trae la idea. Okay, so let's go in the live chat. The bastard was always a problem. Ben says, when Gus ended his statement to uh, Bolsa with war leads to chaos and chaos leads to the DEA, it definitely felt like a setup for Hank showing up within the DEA later in the season. Sam yeah. continues, everything will still be in order. Someone will be coming for the Salamancas, which what wars, uh, what comes is war, chaos, and the DEA. Uh, who is coming? I think... From what we've seen in previews for this season, slight spoiler if you don't want to hear it, but they've been in pictures. Uh, Tuco's cousins, the twins, I believe, are going to be showing up. Maybe they could be showing up as part of that crew to fill out the numbers or something. We'll we'll have to see about that. But uh, very interesting stuff. Do you think we'll see Hank in the DEA as well, Joe? Yes. Mm. That dude's everywhere right now, too. Yeah, he is. He is. He he's and he and he's uh. He, He's, he's definitely never turning away a uh, quick paycheck or something like that. So uh, so Nacho goes to the water like Dave Chappelle in Half-Baked, the throwaway his joint, and he tosses the drugs and he will play the game. And then we see someone is tracking Nacho, like totally tracking Nacho. And I believe that's one of Gus's guys. People yeah, that's the lab guy. Yeah, that's the that's lab the guy. guy breaking Bad. Yep, that's the guy that, that... It's hard because I guess he lost a lot of weight before the time He's of Breaking Bad. Oh, no, 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 no. This is before Joe. He he, he must have gone on the Atkins for a little while. I know, but he's a little older now, right? The no, actor. he's younger. He's uh, The character's younger, though. Yeah. We're, we're, we're thinking three-dimensionally here. So the character's, yo and I, character's younger, so we just have to think he went through a workout phase after this time, before the time we saw him in Breaking Bad. So, <laughs> good, good for him. He's, he's eaten well since his Breaking Bad days. So we come back in on a house, a nice one. And this is where we get into this total side story here. We see a nice man, a bald man, and we see some kid come up to him that's going to fix his bike, and he says it's busted. The kid is like, uh, can I fix your chain? Uh, and I'll fix your chain, and I'll do it yourself. And then we see, we see the, 
the chain gets fixed. We see it all gets set up that this guy gets to a car and his car is dead. But it it ultimately ends up being that Mike just sets up a guy that looks somewhat like him to take his place and take all his information to be able to get into Madrigal uh, to check out what their security is like to basically see who he's working for. And, uh, and yeah, we talked about this earlier. Joe, did you think the car was going to blow up? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody did. And I think they knew that fucking shit. And, uh, and so it didn't, the guy tried to start the car. It didn't start. It's dead. And then it's also, we see Mike and Mike is at casing magical. We see him in the kitchen and we have an interesting discussion going on in the kitchen. In the break room. Yeah. In the break room. Bruce had the speed. He could kick you before you saw him move. Yeah, but watch the list and fight. We're talking about what? Boxing? Because that's something else. No, we're talking about a street fight. Street fight? Yeah, great. So Bruce can kick. No, we're not talking about a movie fight. We're talking about weight. We're talking about reach. Boxing is a sport. Martial arts is life and death. Look, I don't care how fast you are. Muhammad Ali hits you, you're going down. That's a fact. If he hits you, Bruce Lee... He knows the anatomy. He's got the moves. He's going to find an opening. Without power, the, the opening doesn't mean squat. How much does he weigh? I don't know. That may be a buck 30. Ali was the heavyweight Less. champ. He's got at least 100 pounds on Lee. Bruce faints for Ali's head, but he goes low and he sweeps him to the deck. Ali goes down hard. It's all over. <laughs> Do you have a gun? <laughs> I'm sorry? Does Bruce Lee have a gun? Because if he doesn't, it's Ali in three minutes or less. See, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Okay, Joe. Where, where do you, we're at the tail of the tape here, Joe. Bruce Lee versus Muhammad Ali. And we'll take my, he said, have you seen Ali against Liston? So we're going to take young, uh, young Ali, the fast Ali, uh, him at his prime against Bruce Lee in a, is it a street fight or is it, is it, is it a, uh, th- like a, like an MMA fight? An MMA fight between Muhammad Ali and Bruce Lee. Muhammad Ali wins because of size, right? Like alone size can overpower him. The reason why <laughs> there are weight limits yeah. in these sports. Yeah. Bruce Lee's awesome. He's very he's very quick, but Muhammad Ali has a hundred pounds on him and is quick as shit. So when I was wrestling in high school, they have all the divisions are like a like a 10, 15 pound, you know, difference, right? If you weigh one pound over the limit, you get put into the next division. And that was until you reached 189 pounds. Everything over that was heavyweight. So I weighed like 265, but I was going up against like 350 pound fucking six foot six, you know, seniors when I was a fucking sophomore. There is a big fucking advantage to size. Yeah. And that's why they have weight classes. And I mean, it's one argument is. And this, and you see it all the time when some of these boxes go up one uh, weight class or down one in the weight class. They can either dominate or get their asses kicked. Yep. Sometimes they do just as well because they've put on the weight to be in that other class. But if you go into that class, a class of two up, Bruce Lee to Muhammad Ali, heavyweight to fucking light feather, bantamweight, yeah, like bantamweight, yeah, bantamweight. There's a big difference. There's a big, yeah. And it's like, it's okay, and I'm not saying Bruce Lee couldn't take down someone of that size, but you're also dealing with someone that moves right. Some the one of the fastest on their feet boxers of all time that really knows how to react and move. Even that in, also knows anatomy. That also knows anatomy, knows how to fight. This is young Ali. This is young, quick, 
Quick, I'll leave that. Anatomy, you know, shit. Kidneys, liver, yeah. fucking stomach, don't head like. Yeah, Bru- I, I love. I'm a bit. I'm a Bruce Lee fanboy when in these fight competition things, but Bruce is overmatched here for because. Because Bruce is faster, much faster, but Muhammad Ali's not fucking slow. Young Ali is not fucking slow, and they, he knows how to fight. And he has a hundred, at least a hundred pounds on him, uh, or at least like yeah, about a hundred pounds. Like um, I'd, I'd have to look at the actual weight, but uh, but yeah, about about a hundred pounds on him. It's 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 exactly what Mike says, as uh, Justin says. Hank is coming for a fun run. Gus realizes he needs to keep the DA away. DJ also says I totally agree with Mike as well. Sam says, my dad wrestled from when he was five through college. I didn't know you wrestled, Joe. How long did you do it? A few years in high school, that's it. Yeah, I've seen the pictures to prove it. Well, maybe maybe we'll get Joe to show some images on the show later on. Heavyweight and junior. I was heavyweight and I was junior varsity and varsity myself. Yeah. yeah. For for next show, we'll put a, we'll put a sh- Joe shows wrestling photos on the super chat wheel. <laughs> so. Uh, so, no see me in my wrestling uniform. Sure. <laughs> yeah, well, fucking uh, big, big donation to get Joe in his wrestling uniform. So Mike is listening, and Mike joins in, and then we see Mike get the cute little cart, and he takes control as music kicks in. He goes around, grabs the invoices, cases the whole place, uh, goes into, the, goes through the trash. Just a great set that they have is the warehouse here. He stops at some workers, calls one guy over, yells at him, and uh, acts like the boss, and sees how much he can fuck it. Ramirez, team leader. Yes, sir. So, Ramirez, what do you think you're up to? We're just pulling an order. And he sees how easy he can just manipulate these guys over to just leave boxes empty for them to go at. And Mike, eventually at a point in time, you can see as he's going through the scene, at first he's being careful, and then he's realizing that he doesn't have to be. So he's being uh, brazen about the shit he's doing, just like looking at the camera, basically giving the camera the finger while he steals shit. So, uh, so we go back over. Mike returns the the stuff the stuff he had, and he used to the uh, to the to the guy he stole all the information. And uh, he gets into this whole situation where he starts yelling that the security sucks. Where did you find it? I need to talk to your manager. I waltzed through security with someone else's ID. Nobody gives me a second look. When the rightful owner shows. Oh, we have we have uh, Joe wears a singlet for fifty bucks. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to Joe off air about that. We'll, we'll try to we'll try to get the, that on the wheel. There's no facility wide badge check. I find access doors left unlocked or propped open. Passwords written on post-it notes. Where else workers are using pen and paper instead of electronic inventory devices, which leaves you wide open to pilfering. You got duplicate routing numbers on cargo. Surveillance camera blind spots on the north and the east side of the floor. Inventory documents that are going into the trash instead of being shredded, not to mention loading equipment <laughs> being driven at unsafe speeds and wait, crews. Wait. I'm having flashbacks to every boss I've ever had in my life yelling at me for all the shit I've done wrong here. Regarding wait, safe- hold on, hold on. Who are you? <laughs> this, just, this just sounds like, every, seriously, every manager I ever had at food service just yelling at me about everything. Your station's dirty. You're forget this. You can't clean. You can't do shit. You came in late. You break too long. You ate the food in the in the dining room. You're supposed to eat it out back. You smell funny. Here, shave. You know, I shaved this morning. I don't care. Shave your fucking beard dry, you hairy fucking teen wolf son of a bitch. I mean, it's, it just goes on and on. But Mike rips the fucking company apart. The guy's like, I don't know who you are. We don't need security. He's like, Call your mommy. Call your mommy. Tell her Mike wants to talk to you. 
Call your fucking mummy. So we're almost at the end of this episode. We're sort of riding towards the end here. So speaking of, we go to the car ride home, at, at oh, car ride to see Howard. And here we go at our big end scene here between Howard and Jimmy or the end of our episode. Howard, throughout the episode, it's kind of tough to feel. The mo- I'm trying to put Howard together throughout the series, Joe, because he started off as so, so a character I just simply hated and I thought was very, not as a character, but I just hated the character. But sometimes yeah. I think the more insecure the character feels, the more he puts that fake douchery, douchery out there. And I think he he was a douche earlier in the episode because he was feeling shitty about feeling responsible for what happened to Chuck. Mm-hmm. And he brings Jimmy in here to be like, Jimmy, I have to confess to you. I I think I owe you the truth about Chuck. The truth? Those lanterns. The truth about Chuck? He was living in that house without electricity for the better part of two years. He knew how to use those lanterns. And you knew, too. He was careful. I saw it. I know you did, too. There was never a problem. I know it's a terrible thing to... I don't think what happened was an accident. Well, duh. You probably heard Chuck was retiring from HHM. But that's not the truth. The truth is that we had a disagreement. And I pushed him out. I made him go. Chuck was sick for years. And after the bar hearing... The bar hearing had nothing to do with it. Thanks for chiming in, Ken. Okay. The fact is, he started getting better after that. He took more of an interest in the firm. He came to work. We could leave the lights on. He was improving until the thing with the insurance. So it it wasn't the bar hearing. The insurance? Oh, Joe, I think you're right here. He goes, the insurance? And this is... Okay, I don't know if people remember this. I I have a memory of this, and if I'm incorrect, please correct me. But didn't Jimmy... Jimmy was the one that called the Bar Association to say to check out their insurance because of Chuck's mental situation, right? Right, Joe? I'm, I'm, not, make, I'm not making that up, right? Okay, the, the, the smile of Joe and the nod. I, I Okay, I, I thought... I do tend to make things up in my head sometimes. We've we've all seen it, see me do it here on this show. So uh, so I thought I might have been making that up, but uh, but yes, I'm glad that I remembered that correctly. Which Joe, it's it's weird to me that watching this, the first season of season four here of Better Call Saul, that we've been doing that. You know, we've been doing this for a while. That we've done this whole series. You know, it's fun when we go back. You know, shows that we've started and, and caught up on. Or, but this is a show that we're gonna do like from beginning to end. You know, five seasons of this show. It's gonna be a lot of fun here. We're 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 uh, we're the 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 downward downward stretch of the uh, the second to last season, the penultimate season of Better Call Saul. Because I don't think it's gonna go past season five. Ridiculous thing. There's no reason for it to. If they want to do more, they can expand the universe with other story, yeah. other character. Yeah. Uh, Goss, early life, down <sighs> South America. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the most logical next place if they want to do something else. 
I would prefer, you know, the Walt Jr. spinoff series. No, <laughs> Walt Jr. and Skyler, the, the, the future years. That's the series I want to see. Dad taught me how to cook meth. And it was good. I mean, God knows he's done enough for me. But he kept pushing. And I, um, I got my back up. What about the insurance? It was a... Our malpractice insurance. They found out about Chuck's condition and raised our rates. Chuck went ballistic. He wanted to go to war. I drew a line. Discrimination. He wouldn't back down. War, Peacock. Chuck the casualties. It never occurred to me that I could hurt him. Oh, Howard. He always seemed so strong. But he wasn't. I think he did what he did because of me. Because of you, you dirty bastard. Bear that cross, bitch. Yeah, here it comes. Drop it. Drop that shit on him, you motherfucker. Fucking Kim gives him like a well, lot I guess that's your cross to bear. Ha ha ha. Andy Western says, I am such an issues guy. I do. I have lots of fucking issues. Lots of motherfucking issues. Yeah, that's your... He says your cross to bear, and he goes and he makes coffee... And starts whistling and saw Goodman. To a mold self. Yep, exactly. Back to his old self. Okay, done with that. I mean, there's some amazing, there's some, again, put the gum right on that hole, compartmentalize, move on. Time for the season to really start. Done with that shit. And I think a lot of this episode was about that. Done with that shit, moving on. What's the next stuff? And yep, I wrapped up all the last season's questions. Okay, we got we got the old bastard out of the way. We got Chuck out of the way. You know? Yep. Done and done. Holy shit, Joe. Let's play, let's play Sam's message first, but then I got I got a, we got a special surprise tonight. We got a, we got a, we got a special surprise, which I was hoping. I didn't wanna I didn't wanna mention it. Before we got it, so uh, I'm I'm very excited about uh, Sam's message here, and we'll and then we have a message from another special friend that I'm excited to talk to tonight as well, and uh, so here we go with Sam. Hey guys, um, I am still in the stream. It's a very good stream. I this is Sam, by the way. Um, I just have a couple of thoughts about this episode. It was especially weird to watch Jimmy react to his brother's suicide, especially considering. I was in a very similar situation two months ago with my sister because it's both coming from siblings who obviously care about their siblings, but their siblings are very toxic and there's a very strained relationship between them. So I was just wondering what you were thinking about Jimmy Pett's face in there. Also, yeah, it's tough. I, before, before I go on to the second point, I just want to touch on that. That's one of the difficult things to deal with when someone fucks you over someone's weird and toxic to you and then they pass away you have to deal with a lot of shit how do you send that person off in your with, with the way that you're feeling and make yourself you know help yourself deal with it in the most healthy fucking way possible without giving in to be like oh it was a great person they were an awesome person and feeding into all that bullshit too that when someone goes you feel like you have to just say nothing but great stuff about them. I, I had to deal with a lot of that shit too when, like, with my mother passing and Joe was there. He heard my eulogy that I said, which coupled all of that. You really need to, like, combine that shit and celebrate the truth of it all. And, it's, and I think what Jimmy's doing is unhealthy. 
I think what Jimmy's doing is is just completely fucking avoiding and saying, fuck that, fuck that, moving on, done with that, what the fuck, fuck you. And he's gonna, and that's gonna come crushing down as we see in the Cinnabon Saul age. Or did Walter make that all cr- come crushing down? Maybe Jimmy was doing fine dealing with going on. He was fine and rich by just Walter com- crushed him. Yeah, Walter crushed him. Maybe he was doing fine com- compartmentalizing. I can't always compartmentalize. Uh, I'm, I'm bringing my own shit into this joke. But uh, but yeah, so uh, so so that that's my answer to that, Joe. Um, how about how about you, Joe? If if you really like had some pissed off energy about somebody, but like they were important to you, uh, well, how would you deal with how do you how would you deal with that shit? Would you? Uh... It would depend. Depend on what? Yeah. Uh, I guess there's just no reason to hold a grudge after someone's dead. Fuck it, they're dead. You won. Woohoo. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. You 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 won the battle. But that, and the, but that's kind of to, to my point as well. Once that once it's over, it's over. There's no there's no uh they, they you can't you can't make that person understand your point anymore. You can't hope that person changes anymore. It's done. The ticket's been punched. You know, you're walking out of the park. Fast pass is over. You have to wait in the lines now. It's done. I mean, there's there's uh there's I was I was gonna keep going until someone stopped me like a broken record with weird cliche type type things. Uh, anyways, go ahead and talk all the shit you want about the dead person. The only people you're gonna hurt are the living. Yeah, uh, kind of sucks we didn't get to see all of Chuck's funeral. It would have been interesting to see how Jimmy delivered his eulogy. Lindsay, I was seeing thinking the same thing that they sort of yada yada that, which was, which was uh, not strange. I mean, maybe we'll. Maybe Jimmy didn't even do that. Maybe it was just Howard. Maybe Jimmy kind of just sat there and it was, and we, we kind of just went in and out of the funeral. Yeah. Uh, with Chuck officially out of the way, I think the beginning of the end of the series, so I won't be surprised that season seven, seven, season five is the last. So let's play the rest of Sam's message. With Hamlin's obituary, I mean, it was very interesting to see him emotional and it was very well thought out. But it was kind of a slap in the face to Jimmy by not including him at all in it. So yeah. I was just wondering what you guys thought of that because I thought that was kind of petty and childish for him to I do. Didn't, I didn't catch it at first when it came by. But when you say that, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, shit, she, she's right. And yeah. then when we listened back, I was like, oh, fuck, she's absolutely right. Yeah. 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 I, I, Joe, I, I'm going to copy copy your answer. Uh, I thought the same thing. Like I didn't catch it in the moment. It didn't occur to me. I was more just thinking from Jimmy's standpoint of putting myself in that moment and being like, I don't want to hear this shit. Fuck you. And I don't even know if Jimmy was occurring to Jimmy in the moment that he wasn't being mentioned in there. I don't think he heard one single word that was said. But now that you say that, it's very interesting that he didn't say that or he didn't say anything survived from his ex-wife either uh, who was there. I, I don't think so. Uh so, so it's interesting. He just focused on his accomplishments. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, Joe, I guess our last thing we'll do of the evening, unless anyone wants to get in some last questions or comments. Do we, have voicemail? we do have one more voicemail from our good friend, Big J. Nice. Yo, Big J here. Long time no speak, Phil. Dirty Joe. <laughs> what are you doing, man? First of all, first of all, I I, I got I, I got to back this up because I because I I love some Big J, but uh, but I love how he calls you Dirty Joe. I love Dirty it. Joe. Yeah. Dirty Joe, Big J. Before we get to your message, I want to say lots of love from Joe and I to you. You're one of our oh, yeah. fa- favorite. We always like 
if breaking if Better Call Saul only continues just for us to occasionally get messages from the wonderful fucking Big J, we're fucking psyched, dude. So uh so lots of lots of love to you and the family. So let's so I'll shut the fuck up now and let Jay talk. Yo, big J here. Long time no speak, Phil, dirty joke. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Uh so happy he shows back, like you said, man. It's like uh, all's right in the universe again, you know. Um, I thought it was awesome the way it opened up, you know, in the in the, in the Nebraska with the fucking uh, the hospital scene, man. That was real, like creepy with the cab driver. I thought that really was a good way to open it up, man. Just, Dude, it was creepy as fuck. Oh, and now we scared of. How scared so was, you know, or Jimmy, whatever, and. uh yeah, like you said, you know, it's the only show I know that nothing's happening, but you still like intrigued, man. Just by, you know, it's like such a slow burn. I've been watching a lot of other shows lately. I've got into a lot of other shows where it's just nonstop things going on. It's like nice just to have a show that makes you relax, you know, and you know it's going somewhere. So, uh, glad to hear you guys. If you're on the show again, I'm glad the show's back, and uh, I'll definitely be checking in with you guys for the season. Fucking A, man. All right, man. Oh, another thing was on that at the wake because that's the one guy I didn't see. I thought it was cool that they brought back all the old boys and shit, man. That was a classy move. All right, guys. Let me hear your review. Enjoy. Nice, Big J. Great, oh, to, great to hear from yeah. Big J. It's always awesome to hear from you. It's an annual party when we get. Uh, that's one of the things I was un, one of the main things I was unhappy about about the season getting put off a little bit. We didn't get our yearly check in with Big J, and that's one of the awesome things about doing the show for this long and doing it with so many different other programs that we've touched in on. Because we do know some people check us out just for certain programs uh, and yeah. certain certain discussions that we have, and that's why we always like to touch in on stuff we've done and never closed the book on anything so we even we, to, to, to game of thrones up too didn't we what was that yeah we did we, de we definitely did we definitely did so hopefully we'll get to hear big j in the final season of game of thrones as well so everyone in the live motherfucking chat you guys are amazing let's say some huge thank yous to everyone that is left in there we've got bernie we got dj we got sam we got ian we got Lindsay, we've got ben uh we, we've got uh We've got Hannibal. We had uh, we had Mike earlier. We had Muspus. We had all of our good friends in the live motherfucking chat. Thank you for joining us for Better Call Saul. I will be back next Monday after the episode airs. I don't know if Joe's working next week, but we'll see. If he's not, he will probably call in from work and touch in on that. And you guys will have to listen to my babblery for a whole podcast. And I'll also try to get in again before then. This week's been weird. I might be moving pretty soon and packing up the studio, so things might be changing briefly. But I'll talk about that on a later stream. Joe, before I let you go, though, I did want to make one other announcement and hope and, and, a, and to ask you to do something with me. Uh, CBS All Access just announced this week that there's going to be a new Star Trek series. And, and I, I want to do reviews of the Star Trek series. And I'm going to be doing, and, and I do a lot of Star Trek stuff. And I don't, you and I don't often get to watch sci-fi programs together. And, and, and I'm saying, let's, there's going to be a Captain Picard Star Trek series. If anyone hasn't heard, that's seven right. Seven seasons of next gen to, to burn through on that couch, Phil. Yeah. 
So it's a mystery mystery science fiction theater. So, so so let's get into some Star Trek pretty soon, especially once Game of Thrones ends, and there's gonna be a while for this Picard series to come out. So can't we, wait to do season one. Oh god, fucking yelling at Natasha. Oh, that's gonna be horrible. <laughs> so we're we're gonna we're gonna start getting into some some more Star Trek stuff because because uh, I'm hungry. I don't care if we get two views on it. It's time for some Star Trek. Lindsay, we'll see you next week. And uh, DJ, oh thank you. You make you make me blush. I will uh, I will talk to you later. I will talk to Lindsay later. I'll talk to Sam later. I will talk to Bernie. All of you guys next week and hopefully Joe as well. Joe, thank you so much as always for joining me. I know you're feeling kind of shitty and. A little tired, so I appreciate you putting up with my babbling tonight. Everyone, if you haven't already and you enjoyed this video, please hit the like button, please hit the subscribe button, share the channel with a friend, spread the word about Better Call Saul. You know, so many shows get that choo choo train stuff with everyone jumping on the bandwagon. Better Call Saul better never may never get that. But it's always going to be one of the best shows on television. I don't care. It's it's great. It's fucking great. Fuck you. Fuck, fuck the haters. Can it be slow? Yes, it's awesome. It's slow, fucking beautiful, fucking magic. No, I know. I'm Vince Gilligan could uh, no. I, I'm I'm. I like to think that even when someone I love does something shitty, I can call them out on their shittiness. And it hasn't gotten that, it, and season four doesn't seem like it's going to get in that direction. All my worries are relieved. Not that I had worries. My only worry is, what am I going to do with all this goofy energy until the next time I do a podcast? Because no one in real life wants to hear me talk. No one in real life wants to hear me babble. No one in real life wants to deal with this fucking silly bullshit. No Speaking one does. That, I'm going to have a sandwich. Yeah, see, Joe needs to get a sandwich. <laughs> Joe's done. He can't deal with me. Ah, what's going on? Ah, oh, fuck. Thank you, everybody. Oh, God. Can next Monday start already? We need more Better Call Saul. Can they drop this whole fucking season? What the flying fuck burger is going on? More Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould television programs. Please, please.